All right. Uh, well, today we're going to talk about being lazy, uh, another word for sluggard. And so there's, you'd be shocked, you know, just how much there is just in the book of Proverbs about this topic. And so I, I actually did not include all of, the, all of the teachings on this in the book of Proverbs, but we're going to go through a few different teachings today, and I'm going to try to wrap it up together. Uh, but to start, I actually think this lesson is going to tie in a few of the themes we've been talking about over the last few weeks. So I hate to keep going back to this, but I want us to go back to that golf club illustration. I want us to remember this. God's the creator of the game. If we think about the golf course, uh, the game of golf, God, when we think about wisdom, uh, let us remember, let's think about it like the game of golf. God created the game. Uh, he created the course. He created the player. He created the rules. And he has provided us the rule book, the instruction manual of how to actually engage in this game of golf, how to do it well. So if we think about this, wisdom, wisdom for us, you know, we're just kind of navigating. We're making the daily decisions to help make sure we play the game of golf well, right? He's, he's told us what to do. Our wisdom is just following those instructions and navigating through well. So uh, as we go through this, what we're going to find is that a virtue of wisdom, something that is embedded in the creation, embedded in the game, embedded in the, the way God has instructed us, one of those virtues is hard work, right? It's actually hard work. He's telling us, just like, when he tell, you know, just like how we swing a golf club, we want to swing the club slow, right? He's saying to, to, to get the benefits of wisdom, you need to work hard. Uh, so we're going to talk through this as we go. I want to start off by going back to the very beginning, Genesis 2.15, something we've talked about a little bit in this class before, but I think we all have to start with the understanding that God created us to work. All right, so Genesis 2.15, if you look at your note page, says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. He took the man, put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And remember, this was before the fall, right? This was before the product of sin. I know a lot of us think about work and working hard as just an absolute product of sin, uh, but it's not. Uh, hard work was put into our design, into the fabric of who we are, of our created being from the very beginning. There's something in there we have to make sure we pay attention to. We were designed to do this. Uh, but... As Americans in the fallen culture and day that we live in, um, you know, since the beginning of sin, uh, we, we, we think about work differently. We, we've been corrupted a little bit by tainted, uh, by the burdens, by the toil, by, by all the, the kind of factors uh, throughout our life. And so I have found that there's normally three predominant views of work in, in our American culture right now. Uh, view number one is this. It's you work like crazy, you work absolutely like crazy so that you can retire early and enjoy life, right? That's view number one, work like crazy so you can retire early and enjoy life once you retire. The second view, uh, just a teaching that, that I've heard many, many times, it says this, it says happiness is about finding peace in a work-life balance. To be happy, you need to just find peace in your work-life balance. And the third one is this, you need to go find something you love to do and go do it. That will lead you to a happy and fulfilling life. So I want you to do is to kick off the lessons. I want you to talk at the tables for a minute. I want you to talk about which one of those three views has been most influential or the most predominant view in your own life, especially in your work and career. 
Is it work like crazy so you can retire early and then enjoy things? Uh, happiness is about finding a, work, a, a peace and a work-life balance. Or you want to go find something you love to do, do it, and that will be your fulfillment. Which one of those views has been your predominant take on life? You guys talk for a little bit, and we'll come back. Looks like, uh, looks like everyone's pretty much worked out all the wisdom that our room can work out on this question. Uh, I, suspect, I suspect with the guys in here, based on the majority of the generations in here, we're probably, this group is probably a bent more towards really working your tails off in your career. I, I, expect, uh, I expect most of you guys have uh, had, you know, you've just, you, you've, you've, throughout your career, you've worked really, really hard, and there's probably sacrifices that came along the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nobody has any tails left, apparently. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, a uh, we got that old man frame where it's just a straight shot on the back, right? So it's, a. Uh, uh, but, um, which, speaking of which, to, to, to never mind, I'll, I'll get into that later. Anyway, so, um, but, you know, that's the predominant view of, of the American culture in particular, especially for, you know, we went through the generations last time. You go to the uh, greatest generation and the baby boomers, you've got all, you've got generations of just this hard work ethic. And, you know, you go to other parts of the world and they talk about that Protestant work ethic, right? There's, uh, it's kind of ingrained in our American DNA, especially from the Protestant immigrants who came through. It's kind of ingrained in us. Uh, and, and so a lot of good can come from that, um, but a lot of bad can as well if it's misplaced. And so I, I find that, that, you know, I've been led astray just by, by so many different people uh, over my lifetime. And I think we're all wrong to a certain extent. I think, you know, working like crazy so you can retire early and enjoy life, uh, you're probably missing something there. You're probably sacrificing something that's important. You're probably actually thinking a little bit too much about what you want. And then, and then, you know, Jordan Peterson says this in 12 Rules for Life, which this is not a complete endorsement of Jordan Peterson or 12 Rules for Life, but there's some interesting things in there. Uh, but one thing he says is he talks about this phenomenon, this, uh, this, this idea we have that uh, we're going to work really hard and then we're going to retire early. And when people here retire early, they normally think about sitting on a beach in Mexico somewhere. And he goes, that's great. He goes, then once you get to the third margarita, then what? Right? He, he, goes, he goes, you drink three margaritas on the beach, it's a great day. Then what are you going to do? So, I mean, there is. There's th- that need to always to, to work is ingrained in us. Uh, but then also, finding happiness within some sort of inner fulfillment, that's just absolute crap, too. It, I mean, it just doesn't work that way. We, we understand that from our Christian understanding that that's not where joy and peace actually comes from. Uh, so what, I'm, what we're going to try to do with this lesson in Proverbs is God's going to give us a warning about work. He's going to give us a warning. He's going to give us a warning of what not to do. And then he's going to give us a little bit better instruction of how to actually think through this concept of hard work. So first thing we're going to start out here is, is this warning he gives us. So if you go to your note page, or if you don't have your notes, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24, and I'm going to cover verses 30 through 34. And it says this, I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and I considered it. I looked and received instruction. And here's the instruction he gave, 33 and 34. It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, 
and want like an armed man. So let me reread 33 and 34 there. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. When you you hear want like an armed man, think about that almost being like this invading army that's conquering your camp at night, right? Comes in quickly at night. Uh, A robber coming in unexpectedly to take what is yours. And so the warning we get in this very initial proverb is that the effects of laziness, like to be a sluggard, to, 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 to not exert effort, the effects of that laziness are going to catch up to you fast, right? And it doesn't take much to start to trigger these effects of laziness. Uh, look how it says here in th- verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I'm going to mute somebody in here. Uh, if you guys can't on Zoom, mute. We're getting a little bit of background noise. Uh, but, but a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It's not this massive ordeal. It's just you start going down this other way. You start to get complacent. You start to get lazy. And the effect of that, especially in our world, will catch up to you very, very quickly. That's the first warning. The effects of laziness are going to catch up to you fast. Verses uh, chapter 22, 13 starts to give us another warning. It says this. It says, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Which I, I actually had to go back and read this a few times to know what in the world they're talking about. Uh, There's a lion outside. I should be killed in the streets. Which to me sounded like a really good reason to not go to work. Right? I mean, and that's what they're talking about here. Uh, this, is, this is a warning. It's almost like, you guys remember back in the early 90s when Jeff Foxworthy was just the biggest, you know, rage. I mean, everyone was listening to Jeff Foxworthy. And he had the whole, um, you might be a redneck if, right? You might be a redneck if. It's just a good sign to help you understand if you be a redneck. I grew up in Kentucky, so this was kind of our religion, listening to Jeff Foxworthy for a while. Uh, but whenever I read this, I kind of viewed this as a, you might be a sluggard if. You might be a lazy man if. And what they're saying here is, is you might be a lazy man if you make ridiculous excuses to avoid hard work. What, what they're saying is, there's no lion prowling the streets of a modern city in Israel at this point in time. There's lions in the Bible, and it's, it's all legit. But as far as just like walking through the streets of a random town in Israel, that's not happening. So they're saying a lazy man is going to make these just ridiculous excuses to get out of work. And then that, convict, that convicted me a whole lot whenever I read this, because if I have any vice, this is way up there on the top of the list. Um, I started remembering to my childhood whenever my dad was attempting to teach me work ethic and making me mow the yard. Uh, I started remembering just how many ridiculous excuses I would make to keep me from getting out there in that yard. Uh, I remember one point in time it was, you know, it rained this morning, so I can't mow. It's about to rain, so I can't mow. There was one time that I almost hit a frog, and the emotional trauma of almost hitting that frog, I thought to myself, I just need to take a break from, from yard mowing for a little while. And it's all coming back to me now. The reason lawn mowing keeps coming in my head is because I'm trying so hard to get my son uh, to mow the yard and to understand it. And I'm watching him, and the excuses he makes, I mean, I can't get mad because it's me. It is me 28 years ago, right? So, so, so I'm watching this, but, but it's a warning. We need to be thinking about that. If we find ourselves making these ridiculous excuses for hard work, right, we need to be mindful of that. He's saying, you know, you have no sense if you're thinking this way. Then we get another warning. Uh, I'll, I'll say, my bad, I forgot this in my notes. I had, I had this one. 
Um, this is my favorite excuse for not working hard, by the way. Just you know, This class always brings out my dad's stories. Uh, but my dad had um, had this great excuse anytime he, d- he didn't want to go to work. And so he would uh, call in, and his, his standard excuse was, I'm having eye problems, and I'm going to have a hard time driving in today, uh, which is not an excuse in modern-day work where you can work from home remotely. Uh, but, yeah, I remember it was always, a, I'm having eye problems. So uh, anytime I was missing work and I'd talk to Dad, he'd be like, are you having eye problems today? So it's just a ridiculous excuse. We might as well be saying there's a lion outside that's about to devour us, right, to keep us from going to work. Work. But we need to be watchful of that. Proverbs twenty six fourteen through 15 says this, a very a kind of cryptic warning, right? It says, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. And think about this as like a bread dish, right? He buries his hand in the dish and it wears him out to bring it to his mouth. So I'm going to, which just like the Bible's cool sometimes, right? I mean, these are just some great put downs, but, but I want to, I want to take those in two segments. So verses 14, then 15. And so verse 14, as the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about a door on hinges. When a door is on hinges, it's constantly in movement, right? It, it's moving around. Uh, it is moving on that hinge, but it never goes anywhere. Right, it never goes anywhere. So the warning we get there is to be careful not to fool yourself in this concept of busyness. Right? Don't fool yourself. You can be very, very busy. You can be constantly in movement, but never actually getting anything done. Right? And this is something that I think, especially in our society, we gotta be very, very careful about. I, I, I talk to a lot of people who are overwhelmed with busyness. And then you start to really diagnose it, and you find that they're kind of like that hinge on the door. They're doing a lot of this and never really getting anywhere. It's hard to me to complain to me about you being too busy to do something whenever you spend four hours a day on social media. right? I mean, that's like like I have no sympathy for that whatsoever. Like, come back and talk to me whenever you found a better use of your time. But we've got to be aware of that. You know, we talked about the very first warning, how quickly laziness will creep in and have big impacts. One of the things is, is we can fool ourselves with just being busy. We can fool ourselves on that spiritually as well. I think we've, we've talked about this before, but if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that we're becoming spiritually mature because of our attendance, right? Because we're doing things in church. Uh, but if we don't actually have the mindset of trying to grow, be productive, take, you know, take application from what we're learning, you know, we, we, we actually just kind of stay in place. But you can convince yourself, because I came to Bible study, uh, I'm actually taking a step forward. Right? So we need to be aware of that. The second one is just fun. I mean, the slugger buries his hand in the dish, and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. And it's just talking about just how foolish, you know, that seems. It's, it's like just, just what a man lacks sense, uh, that you're going to exert yourself to go do something, but you're never going to actually take the final step to reap the rewards and move forward, right? So we just, just like I said, giving us those warnings. So if you kind of go back to the Jeff Fox for the illustration, you might be a lazy man if, and it says you really, you seem to be really, really busy, but you never go anywhere. You never go anywhere. So if we think about these warnings we've been given, we've, we've kind of got those in place. Uh, we can see how easily it would be to fall, in, to fall into that area. But then if we want to truly apply wisdom to, to fall in line with the way God has created us, he gives us an example to follow. 
And interesting, it comes from one of the smallest creatures in this world. So if you go to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, let me give you the instructions God gives us. He says this, he says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And then it says, here's what the ant does. Verse 7, it says, Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So without having any chief, officer, or ruler, right? Without having any chief, officer, or ruler. Let's stop on that for just a second. What he's talking about there is no one's lording over the ant. Right? If you think about the ant, which, by the way, I really appreciate all the emails I got with fun facts about ants. Uh, like, I, I, I am much more knowledgeable about ants after you guys responded back to me. Um, I, I, I know a lot. Ants can carry 20 times their body weight. That's pretty cool. They're the most abundant species on the planet and the most productive. That's pretty cool. Uh, What has no application whatsoever to this lesson, but just a fun fact for ants, when they fight with each other, they fight to the death. How cool is that? So so we're not going to get to that application point. We're going to talk about the productivity of ants, but they are very productive. And it says the first thing they do is they don't have any chief officer or ruler. So they're going about their business, like they're going about their business motivated intrinsically, right? Motivated intrinsically. There's two types of motivation, right? You have intrinsic motivation. It comes from within and you have extrinsic motivation. Great example of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. I was at a baseball game on Monday night with my son and he played great. Like, I mean, he hustled. He listened to his coach. He, he, he was always making sure he was on spot on defense. You know, he was acting very unlike my son normally acts in baseball games. I mean, he was all over it. And I, 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 when, the, when the game got done, I mean, I just I took him aside. I was like, man, I am so proud of you. I was like, you listened. You, you were hustling. You were doing everything I've asked you to do. Like, I am so proud of you, son. And he goes, that is great, Daddy. You told me if I listened, I would get those Oreos, right? And, and I, had, so I had a package of Oreos in the back of my car. All right, so I was proud of intrinsic motivation. What he exhibited was extrinsic motivation. The Oreos inspired the kid. So God is saying, don't be like my son. Be like the ant who has intrinsic motivation. Bill Parcells, you guys know Bill Parcells, famous football coach, uh, NFL coach. Uh, somebody once asked him, they go, Bill, like, how do you motivate your players? How do you motivate your players? And he said, I only, this is back, he was also the GM. He goes, I only hire players. I only sign players who are intrinsically motivated, right? He goes, I'm not going to try to motivate them because I can't. I'm going to get the guys who actually know how to motivate themselves. And so God's telling us we have to be willing to be productive, to have initiative without anyone going over us. I know for me personally, I struggle with uh, working out. I struggle with exercising because my entire life I had a coach yelling at me, right? Coach would yell at me and I would run for that coach. I would do whatever the coach said, right? But I got used to that coach, like the fear of that coach is what motivated me. Uh, And I've had a hard time actually motivating myself to exert the same level of energy since. So we have to have that intrinsic motivation. The second part it says there is in verse 8, it says she, talking about the ant, prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. What it's talking about here is the ant anticipates future needs, right? Anticipates future needs and makes sure and acts accordingly. 
So wisdom for the ant is not in the ant being busy, right? The ant is not exerting more energy than the ant needs to exert. But what it's doing is having the proper view of what is needed and acting accordingly accordingly ahead of time, right? And so the ant's not practicing the, the idea of, I need to work really, really hard for the next five days so I can take the next three days off. The ant is saying, I'm looking down the road and knowing what is going to be needed and just responding accordingly. Right? Doing what needs to be, done, to be done to get the job done. And so there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's not wisdom in the busyness of the ant. There's wisdom in preparation, in, in mindful preparation of what is going to be required. So I want to maybe tie all this back together just real quick. So we know that in God's wisdom, in the wisdom of which he created man, he actually tells us we need to work. Right? And there's a, there's a wisdom virtue of working hard. Right? Uh, there's wisdom in working the way God's designed us to do it. He's told us, though, we gotta be, we've got to be on guard because laziness can creep up on us fast. It's going to have consequences. Uh, we need to be mindful if we ever find ourselves start making excuses. And we need to be mindful uh, if we're finding ourselves being busy but not actually moving forward, not accomplishing anything. Instead, we take our cue from the ant. But uh, if, if we think about the cues we take from the ant, we're going to be motivated internally, we're going to anticipate what is required, uh, and we're going to work hard, not, not losing any self-discipline. Uh, what really stood out to me in this text, as far as application goes, is this. There, there's kind of two major things. First thing is this. If we think about the ant, whenever we learned about the ant's mission here, when we talked about the wisdom of the ant, Notice that the wisdom of, the, uh, of, of this never changes at any time throughout the ant's life, right? Never changes. From the very beginning of when the ant is sent out from the queen ant or however it works to go do the job the ant needs to do, that never changes, right? We don't see an ant retirement party happening, right? Like, there's, it's, it's not occurring. Like, this, this concept of being productive as an ant happens all the way through the life cycle of the ant. So now we then, let's, let's then think about that concept, that, that this idea, this concept of being wired to work never changes. It never changes from our first breath to our last breath. It never changes. But to help us understand better in, in whatever stage of life we're in, what that really means for us, I think we need to go back to, from the, to the lesson from last week. Remember, for, for men, we, we talked about uh, gray hair being the crown of righteousness last week. Uh, we talked about uh, the young men, you know, the young men's glory is their strength, but for old men, their glory is what? What's, what's the glory of the old men? All right. What, 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 what? what do you look at me for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, were, uh, you were talking. There, there's only a few places I can't look in this class, right? So it's, uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. But, but the glory of an old man is his wisdom, right? So, so energy and strength for the young man, for the old man's wisdom. So if we take the wisdom of the ant here, saying there, there's this idea of being productive from the beginning to the end, how we are most productive is in the question for us. How are we most productive? And God is telling us in our lesson last week, the way we are most productive as young men is in our energy and our strength. As older men, it's in our wisdom. And so what I, what, I, what I kept getting out of this is we need to apply this understanding now into how we're serving God in his kingdom. Right? How are we serving God? 
We need to reject this idea that we are not meant to be productive. We need to reject the idea that we're entitled to a little... Go back to what the, the first proverb said. It said, a little rest, a little folding of the hands, and then you have consequences. How easy is it, especially for men in America, to get done with a very, very difficult professional career and go straight into a little rest, a little folding of the hands, right? And And so... What, what I think we need to shift our mindset more to is not it's now my time to rest into it's now my time to exercise my productivity in a different way, right? In a slightly different way. Maybe energy and strength is no longer my greatest asset, but God has given me all these years now of which wisdom is my greatest asset. I think about my buddy, let's see if he's on the line. Yeah, Tyler's on the line. Uh, Tyler's on the line right now, uh, joins us on Zoom, which, by the way, I, I published a book review he did on our Facebook group, if you're on our Facebook group. But Tyler's a retired Marine. And so I think about whenever he was active duty Marine, one of the greatest things he, he contributed in the Marines was his energy, his drive. Right? I mean, this guy did three tours overseas on the front lines. He's in a different stage of his life now where he's retired from the Marines, so we don't need him on the front lines fighting anymore, but we need his wisdom, right? We need his wisdom, and he's doing that in very creative ways. And so I look at how he is taking the lessons learned and what God has entrusted him and how he's giving that back, very creative way. His productivity level has not changed one bit. He's just doing it in different ways. I think we're all called to follow that kind of example, especially here in the church, Right. I mean, we like if if I were to take this as a microcosm and just say, what do we need here in the church? We need your wisdom. Right. We need your wisdom uh, in so many different areas. We need you to be willing to be productive, uh, just like the ant is productive over all time periods of life and, and reject the idea. Reject the idea that it's time for a little rest. It's time for, you know, folding of the hands, uh, because I know I've talked to many of you guys. And you've all gone down roads with men who worked 40, 50 years in a very fast-paced professional environment. Um, and when they, got, when they were done, they just were done, right? They were done with life. And um, rested on the Lazy Boy, started watching Netflix, and just life went downhill. We are productive to the very last breath. And I see so many of you guys doing that in such incredible ways. Some of you guys are still working. Some of you guys are serving. Some of you guys are engaging in the community in, in various ways. Uh, I just want to make this an encouragement that try not to let the American mentality of work hard, then retire, and enjoy life. Get that out of your heads. Uh, what, what God is telling us is he goes, find your kingdom need, find every, review everything that I've entrusted to you, go fill that need, right? When you're young, you're going to be needed most likely in these areas. As you get older, your crown of righteousness is your gray hair. We need you for this, right? Keep that in mind. So what I want you guys to do, just as you finish up class today and as you go out for lunch, I want you just to, to ask these questions uh, to each other. What does this mean for you in your retirement years? Right. What does it mean for you in your retirement years? What is, if we really apply this wisdom, uh, what does it speak to you? And then specifically, uh, what do you think God is warning you not to do? Right. What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you think you should do? And then what is God warning you not to do? Think about that just a little bit. Um, talk about it with some of the guys. See what experiences you've had. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be curious um, 
just as you have some time to talk amongst the tables and at lunch, I'd be curious to even ask this question. Uh, When have you felt most fulfilled during your working career? And if you are retired now, when have you felt most fulfilled after you've been retired? Let that be a question that that kind of leads you down uh, a path to, to discussion. Uh, but but I, I think that'd be an interesting thing to frame up and just see what kind of common experiences you guys have. Lesson makes sense? Be like the ant, right? Productive. And then also you need to learn how to carry 20 times your body weight. That is what I got out of this lesson. Uh, 20 times your body weight and fight to the death anytime you get in an argument. So uh, let, me, uh, let me pray for us and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, lunch. Uh, Father, I thank you for these guys. I thank you for the wisdom that you've given us in the book of Proverbs. Uh, you've given us this wisdom because you love us. You've given us this wisdom because you know the world that you created. You know the creature that we are. Uh, you know how we're wired. You know what joy looks like for us. You know what fulfillment looks like. Uh, and it's not what the world tells us. Uh, we need to take your instruction because you love us and you are good. Uh, you want us to enjoy this relationship with you. You want us to enjoy this life in its various capacities, even in the fallen nature of this world. And so I ask that you just help us apply this simple wisdom today. Uh, May it be a meaningful lesson, a meaningful application. May you watch over these guys, increase their faith, and uh, just just let us come back next week uh, ready to study more of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.